The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel podcast, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we speak with Matteo Jean Pietrabelli, licensed engineer in the US, Canada, and Europe, who is the principal and regional manager of Maface Engineering. We found Matteo through an article that was published on the new atlas entitled Russia's Massive Lacta Center named Skyscraper of the Year. What an accomplishment. We will be speaking with Matteo about the design of the steel and ETFE skylight in between the glazed facades of the buildings in Lacta Center. Matteo will also expand on the design and loading process that was used and the type of fabric material, also known as ETFE. And we'll dive into that acronym later. I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle. I'm a licensed engineer at DCI Engineers, practicing on structural projects in California. And I have an undergraduate degree from Cal Poly Pomona and a master's degree in structural engineering from UC San Diego. And I'm your co-host, Alexis Clark. I work in Hilti's North American headquarters as the product manager of our chemical anchoring portfolio in the US and Canada. I'm a licensed professional engineer in Texas. I received my bachelor's in civil engineering from the University of Texas at Austin, and I'm currently an MBA candidate at Auburn. Before we get started here, I would just like to remind you that next week, February 21st to 27th, is National Engineers Week, or E-Week. It's a full seven days of celebrating and promoting awareness of the profession of engineering. The National Society of Professional Engineers, or NSPE, offers a wide breadth of resources on how you can help spread the word and get involved during E-Week. You can visit NSPE's website at discovere.org, that's D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R-E.org, for more information. We encourage you to get out there and support Engineers Week. Speaking of E-Week, Matt, what do you have planned? I definitely want to try to do a YouTube video about E-Week or promoting the profession uh, some way, somehow. And I'm also involved in my local ASCE Younger Members Forum chapter. So I know that's one way to get involved if if uh, you're looking to get out there and support E-Week and engineers. So we'll definitely be planning some events for that week. Another thing that I think that's good to support E-Week, what you mentioned, discovere.org. They also have instructions on how to become a, a virtual role model to sign up for. And I think that's a good way for engineers to get involved, especially since you know we're all locked down for the most part. So definitely a good way that we can link up virtually. E-Week looks so different this year. Obviously, last year, we were able to sneak it in right under the gun before lockdowns happened. <laughs> it's just so odd because usually E-Week is such a, a big celebration and an outward expression to be able to share with people in person. So in a typical year um, here in, in North Texas, we actually kick off the week with the Forum Follows Fitness 5K. And the Architecture Association of Dallas hosts this kind of as a big kickoff for Engineers Week. And obviously, that can't happen this year. So it's been delayed till June. Usually I spend some time volunteering at the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History, and I spend an afternoon working with kids. Obviously, that's not happening this year. Sometimes I go work with the Girl Scouts of North Texas, not going to have any in-person events. And, you know, there's just so many ways to usually be able to be with people and, and share 
physically that love of engineering and be able to spread awareness. And it looks a little different this year. I'm so glad you shared those resources with us and how people can easily go up, go to discovere.org and can sign up automatically to become a virtual role model. It's an easy thing. It's a quick amount of time. And it's a very, a very effective way and efficient way for us to get the word out about engineering. Yep. We all got to adapt. Exactly. Exactly. I think one other way that I'm going to try and be active next week is I've made a pledge to myself to make sure I'm using my social media channels for good. And I think that's such a wonderful way for engineers to so easily share you know, the work that you've done or different accomplishments you've had in engineering or just a passion that you have for it. So I'm going to be posting every day on LinkedIn. Hilti actually has kind of like an internal e-week theme for each day of the work week. And I would say um, if anyone is listening and you know, you're know you kind of the ringleader or you like to set up these kinds of things or ways to celebrate, it's a very easy way to come up with a theme for each day of the week and share it with your firm and encourage individuals to share those different themes. So for example, Winning Wednesday, what's a project that you are really proud of and want to be able to share a throwback Thursday, you know, so share a picture of you from your concrete canoe days or from when you were in college, asleep on a stack of books from studying all night, whatever it looks like. It's a very easy and simple way to share engineering and do it in a collective manner with other engineers that you love in your community. That's a great one. I love that one. That's uh, easy, quick to implement. And everyone's got something. It kind of reminds you of as an engineer, what you've done and what you've accomplished in your career and your projects. And it's an easy way to share with everyone else all the other engineers to celebrate our profession and engineers. And selfishly, I want to see a lot of like old school concrete canoe and steel bridge pictures. So I want those pictures out there, people. Please share them with us. And now I'd like to introduce our guest for this episode, Matteo Petrabelli. Matteo is a highly motivated structural engineer with a background in structural design of bridges, buildings, stadiums, and facades. The skill set he's developed and acquired along the years have allowed him to cover and solve various kinds of problems related to structural engineering. Matteo spent more than half of his life working and residing in different countries, including Switzerland, Africa, China, India, Europe, and the USA. He's cheerful, curious, humble, and proud to have already been exposed to the design and construction of worldwide renowned bridges and award-winning buildings. Now let's jump into our conversation of the week. Matteo, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. So before you joined us, we briefly introduced to our guests, and what I really want to know before we dive into today's really interesting topic is a little bit more about what you do on a daily basis at Maface Engineering. On one hand, as a structural engineer by education and by trade, I am involved on solving problems and in coordinating the project that we are currently developing in the New York office. As I'm also working as a principal and regional manager for the firm, and my role is also to deal with the finances, uh, human resources, business development, and strategic assessments for the company on a nationwide scale. So you're not just the technical manpower, you've also got the business responsibility on your shoulders. Because the thing is, the company was set up in the United States a few years ago. So, uh, you know, during the startup phase, you kind of have to deal a little bit with everything. And then by the time we started to expand also with the team, I tried to keep track of everything because I also tend to be very 
passionate about structural engineering, so I want to always have my hands on. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Matteo. Uh, firstly, congrats on the work that you and Maface did in the Locta Center. I'm curious to know what type of material that was used in the design of the skylight. Can you tell us more about that? Because I've always, you know, as a building engineer that works on buildings, we typically don't design those crazy looking uh, facades and whatnot. So I'm curious to see that what went into that. The skylight on the Lacta Center is an example application of uh, ATFE films in a pneumatic structure. The ATFE stands for ethylene tetrafluoroethylene and uh, is a uh, um, nasotropic thermoplastic polymeric material. It is uh, manufactured in films. And what happened is that it also has an impressive tensile resistance. The average test results are normally between uh, 6,000 and 6,300 uh, PSI. And uh, the peculiarity of the ETFE is that it also can be uh, heat welded. The peculiarity also of the application on the lactocenter is that um, the ETFE film can be prestressed through a pneumatic air, basically. So you inflate air inside and you prestress the ETFE into um, basically what is that specific uh, shape of a pillow. And uh, it also can be designed with a single or multiple layer structures. I know since we're on a podcast, it's kind of hard to, to picture it. I, but I know the one that always stood out to me was the Beijing Center in the 2008 Olympics, the aquatic center. It looked like the facade was like bubbles, basically, because it was the aquatic center. So yeah, this material is really cool. I've always wondered what it was because it seems you can all put it into all sorts of shapes and sizes and it looks really organic. So yeah, really cool. I had to look up and Google search what this looked like for myself because you were saying, you know, that has this fantastic tensile strength and it can be, it's weldable. And I was like, well, what does it even look like? And of course, now that I see images of this, I've seen this before on projects. I work with chemical anchors, obviously. So I got to ask, is there a resin epoxy or something that hardens this material or, or what's the hardening agent once you've kind of expanded this material with air? Well, what happened is that the air will stay inside. You know, there is an MEP system that works uh, around it. Um, so you inflate it with air. And then uh, because uh, it works with a pump and with the uh, pressure gauge, the system, which is an electrical system, will be able to understand if the pressure is changing inside due to, for example, thermal expansions or due to the loads applied. So in relation to that, in relation to the specific characteristic of the material, it's able to basically gauge and to change the pressure inside the inflating or removing air from within. So basically, the, the ETFE is just a polymeric material, but you know, it's like having a sort of balloon that you inflate with air, and then you have to basically control the air inside. We rack up pretty hefty air conditioning bills down here in Texas because the summers are so hot. And now I'm just thinking, what does a building like this even look like? <laughs> These are all MEP layout that goes in with them. This is why the design normally it's very well entangled between structures and MEP, for, at least for this specific type of application. You already introduced us to the main uh, material that we're going to be asking some specific questions about. But for our listeners that aren't terribly familiar with fabric materials like myself, can you explain the main categories that fabric materials consist of and what each of them is and where you might see it? Before to start, there are two main categories, uh, fabrics and films. Fabric is uh, defined as an anisotropic material. It consists of uh, normally interwoven threads or yarns on a loom, and they normally go in two directions, and those directions are uh, normally perpendicular to each other. 
this type of definition applies to natural as well as synthetic fibers. So the type of uh, fabric that you normally have for sweaters or for shirts, that type of definition applies very well also for synthetic fibers. In fact, the commonly used yarn materials in textile architecture are normally polyester and fiberglass. Now, if you have polyester yarns, they are the base to obtain uh, PVC membranes, while fiberglass yarns are the base to obtain PTFE fiberglass membranes. Then we have films. On the other hand, they are um, isotropic thermoplastic materials, and they are obtained by forming a single material. The two common type of application for films are the PVC films, uh, normally used for indoor spaces or indoor applications. And then you have ETFE films that are instead used for outdoor applications. Why did you decide to use the ETFE material in the Lochta Center? And why is it good for indoors or outdoors or certain applications? The ETFE choice in this case was uh, due to the coordination with the architect and the owner. The reason why we ended up using the ETFE because uh, what happened is that the ETFE or in general any other tensile material is mainly used to obtain lightness for all the structural application and also to obtain purpose from an architectural language point of view. The ETFE uh, can be uh, considered also a good alternative for glass because it can perform very well also in terms of uh, thermal insulation. If uh, transparency is necessary, the ETFE can be printed with a high level of transparency. If you want to use it uh, with a certain level of shade, you can also print with patterns or with different uh, transparency. It's really easily customizable. Good thing is also that it is a hundred times lighter than glass. So what happened is that due to these lightweight characteristics, it can be used to cover long span structures and uh, there is a, a less or at least uh, the supporting structural components for the ETFE, they tend to be lighter because of the lightweight uh, characteristic of the ETFE as well. The fact that you mentioned, you know, it can be transparent, it can have patterns. I can see this as like an architect's dream in a lot of ways because it has this kind of futuristic look to it and it could be used very interestingly to draw your eye to different parts of a building or, or you know, to accentuate something. So I'm surprised I don't see this more often, but I think in, in a regular metropolis, you know, it's it's got limited uses thus far. So I'm curious, do you see like a, a larger market for this moving forward? Are there more projects that we should expect to be seeing this on? So there are a more application that has been ventured by architects so far and by owners as well, as they're really seeing a benefit into this type of application. What happened is that we always have to be very careful on the way we use applications and to don't speculate too much on their use, right? So what happened is in Europe so far, we can say that between Europe and Asia, probably 80% of applications of ATFE have been uh, developed over there. The 20%, though, has been actually is increasingly going into the American and the Canadian market. In New York, so far, we have the Culture Shed, for example, and that's an application of ETFE pillows. But there are different type of uh, applications that right now are going into it, and uh, they would be, you know, where the ETFE would be used also in, in the United States in the future. From a structural and from a technical point of view, can you share with us a little bit more about the design and loading process that you use during uh, a project like the Lakta Center? The structural analysis of the ETFE structure for the Lakta Center, uh, it was done in relation to the Russian design codes, of course. 
Because the ETFE pillows work as a pneumatic structure, so apart from the specific provisions of uh, dead loads and the construction loads, uh, especially these last ones, are very important to consider for uh, tensile membranes. Besides all these provisions, we also have to consider the short and the long-term behavior. So for the, in relation to the short-term behavior, we analyze the foil considering the action of the wind as per the results of the wind tunnel test. While for the long-term behavior, we analyze the effect of the snow. You know, being in Russia, I would say snow is pretty common. So that was a, a very important part of the design. I know this is a special shade structure. So is everything done through testing? I know, you know, in when we're doing a typical shade structure or canopy, you know, it's per code, ASCE in the US or the building codes. But for these, is everything like custom made and then you have to do the wind tunnel testing? And so it's not really code based in terms of a typical design? There are certain design guidelines uh, in relation to that. Um, there is the European standards for membrane structures. The ASC actually develop uh, guidelines, which, uh, if I remember correctly, is uh, called the ASC 5510. I uh, will have to check. I don't remember exactly the number, but that's a, a guideline for tensile structure, and that considers um, fabric and films. That's a, a good guideline. But then what happened is that in relation to the design, everything goes into the engineering approach, and that requires some level of expertise. So all of these are categorized as tensile structures, whether you're using the ETFE or the fabric then, right? That's correct. ETFE can be used for a pillow. So when you have two, three, or four layers uh, within each other and you inflate it with air, it becomes a pneumatic structure. And you can use the ETFE as a single layer. It's a more rare type of application. But when you have a single layer, the ETFE doesn't uh, basically uh, perform very well unless of course, you considered some cables inside that basically will be the structural components of the ETFE. Is the fabric and the ETFE, are they different? One seems like plastic and one's fabric. The plastic would be a lot more sturdier, but then the fabric is pretty fabric. <laughs> is there a different design approach or design method for each of those? The ETFE components, what happened is that, so from a technical point of view, ETFE needs to be considered as a cladding material. It basically requires specific details, connections, waterproofing, and so on. But from a structural point of view, what happened is it is important to note what is to define that not only ETFE, but in general, all tensile structure work because of tension. That means that the tension is transferred to the main supporting structure as horizontal forces. This is something that is completely different from other standard and more traditional structures where you may have a floor and the, the vertical loads are transferred to the main supporting structure as most of the time as vertical reactions. The ETFE can be used as a single layer membrane, as I said, as sometimes as a double, triple, or quadruple layer in a pneumatic structure application. In general, if it's not ETFE, but is a, a tensile structure overall, like a, as we mentioned before, a PVC or a PTFE, there is a process it's called form finding process that basically will allow to obtain the best shape in relation to the forces applied to it. And there are different methods to do it. After you basically define the shape, then there are, of course, all the structure analysis with the, the load combination, the load applied. As a result, you basically ended up understanding the required thickness of the material. And if you have cables, in depending on the type of application that you have, also the required dimension of the cables. 
even all the custom programs or the parametric studies that I've seen some engineers and BIM designers talk about. I think that's cool where kind of the optimization of your model. Yes, that's correct. And also, I mean, if you have pillows, the other thing you have to consider, as I mentioned before, there is a whole MEP system. So you have piping, blowers, uh, back panels, because at the end of the day, you want the pillows to remain inflated. I had the most terrifying vision. I know we usually give architects a lot of trouble because they sketch something pretty out on a napkin and say, hey, make the stand. But I was envisioning this, like, you know, you could do so much with the structural pieces that kind of form each of these pillows. And I was thinking, man, you could make something really intricate and it could make designs in this thing. And you could do all these different abstract shapes. And I was thinking, man, Matteo is going to hate me if I was the person on the other side saying, make this beautiful, complex thing where none of the shapes are the same size and they're all a little bit different. And then the fabricator would be upset. I just see this very quickly becoming a complex and beautiful end result, but something very difficult for you in the meantime. <laughs> it's my day-to-day life, actually. It's related to accomplishing those type of dreams. And uh, that makes us happy. When I see us, it's uh, really a, a cultural approach and that we have in, in the firm. We know that when we start to talk about this type of structure, creativity becomes uh, in, automatically sparks everywhere. You ended up having double curvature shapes. You ended up having structures that tend to be very complicated and so requires a, a very uh, specific type of analysis and uh, a certain level of expertise. We're very, very keen into actually doing this type of structure because it makes us happy. We're solving problems. And as structure engineers, I think that's uh, the best you can ask for. So can you tell us about some of the different case studies and different projects that you've worked on in the past that use similar or different alternative materials? And when I mean alternative, I mean, it's just not concrete steel or brick like we're you know pretty used to using here in, in North America. The firm is um, starts with the specialization in long span structures and stadiums. The way I envision to answer your question, um, I'm going to go first with the ETFE applications or in general for tensile structure application. An example is the new Verona Exposition Hub entrance in Italy. It's a beautiful canopy made of ETFE pillows. Another type of application, more from a facade perspective or double skin application, is the American Embassy in London. Speaking of uh, what Matthew before mentioned for the Aquatic Center in Beijing, we did uh, something a little bit similar in Germany in uh, Chemnitz. It is the Chemnitz station. The other one that I think you will like uh, a lot is the Centre Pompidou of uh, Metz in uh, France. It's a beautiful uh, double curvature canopy with the, the supporting structure made of wood. So we work on the, the PTFE application. And then I would also say mentioning again as a double skin application, the King Fahad um, National Library in uh, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. That's a PTFE application. But that's in relation to, again, a, a tensile structure. But then we work in different type of application, not only in, in, uh, in tensile material, but also in steel, concrete, and timber. And uh, one of our jewel, I would say, is the Al Janoub Stadium for the uh, World Cup in 2022. It's coming up. That was quite an impressive list. I'm definitely going to make sure that we have some kind of links for our audience to come by and, and be able to check in the in the show notes and see all of these fantastic structures because I'm kind of just Googling some as we go along and they're mind-blowing. They really are elegant and very eye-catching structures. These are just amazing. Yeah, you see those structures and if you're used to doing typical building designs, like how is that thing, how are they taking all the loads? What is that thing made out of? And 
how is it standing up? So it's really cool. It's a lot of hours <laughs> spent into that, but again, it's it's a passion, right? So it's something that we do with the, of course, a lot of professionalism, but at the same time, it makes us happy. So just to kind of wrap this up and put a nice big bow on this, Matteo, you have such an impressive resume. You've been all over the world. You have worked with all these bizarre materials and the results that you create are obviously fantastic. If you could give some kind of wisdom to our audience about career or personal development or growth, what was what it that you want to share? I'm myself still young, so I will probably share what I've been doing so far and what it's basically keeps driving me. And that's uh, exploring. I really never stop exploring. So if uh, there is something new that I want to learn, I just do it and I learn it. If there is something that uh, makes me curious, I always try to look and learn more about it. Looking at myself fresh out of college, I didn't know anything. I mean, at least I didn't know what would I be able to do or what would be actually my real passion besides what I have been studying in college. What really helped me is this uh, constant uh, need of uh, learning new things and keeping myself curious. That's what keeps me moving forward in my career and in my uh, structural engineering applications. Such a beautiful sentiment. I think a lot of us, when we graduate college, we either have this idea of, oh, I've managed to obtain this really fantastic and challenging degree, but there's always more to learn. And hopefully that hunger for learning is instilled in college. And, you know, we learn a lot to get a license and to be able to go through continuing development. And we're always continuously learning the infrastructure of our industry. But I think the other thing is just, yes, having that natural curiosity. And I've recently started setting aside 30 minutes each day and I just read. I read whatever I want, but I have to read. And whether it's articles, it may not have to do anything with industry. It could be about politics or I'm reading about gardening right now. You've got to have something that keeps your mind moving and that keeps your mind expanding. So I think that's a really beautiful sentiment. Thank you. I think our industry, as a civil engineer, but then specialized in structural engineering, it's a always growing field, right? Where applications are becoming limitless. As you said, you always have to nurture yourself, not only with the topics or papers specific to the topic, but also with expanding your knowledge and your curiosity that into subject that goes a little bit outside of our, of our field of application. Because you never know what you're going to find, right? Matteo, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the episode today, and we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 45, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.